0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.
1: And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Slaters, how are you? America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. We are going to talk a bunch about the Google manifesto, but let me be clear. It's we're actually going to talk a little bit about it and mostly we're going to talk about the bigger themes related to it. Does that make sense? So I'm sure you've heard a lot about this 10 page memo that uh, this former now employee wrote that Google has a uh, culture hostile to conservatives and those with opposing point of views. And then the next day got fired, (laughs) fired for having an opposing point of view to the prevailing company culture, which proved his point. Exactly. I love how this whole week, this memo is, is being called an anti-diversity screed. First of all, it's not anti-diversity at all. In, in fact, in, in the memo, he talks about how to actually increase diversity. He says diversity. The whole point is that diversity is a good thing, but let's get there the right way. So it's so far from an anti-diversity screed. It's a pro-diversity, but it's not even a screed. When's the (laughs) the last time you've ever heard anything characterized as a screed? Who decided to call this an anti-diversity screed? The heck? I heard CNN called it a tirade. There were footnotes. He footnoted it. You don't footnote a tirade. So you, you've heard all the details about this already, I hope, by now. Um, again, he, did, he doesn't say diversity is bad. He said the reason that there isn't more women in technology is not because of widespread discrimination and oppression. It's because men and women make different life choices because men and women are different. Let me say that last part again. Men and women are different. Coming up a little later, I want to talk about third wave feminism. So it's feminism 3.0. It's like the third iteration of of the feminist movement. And there's three main aspects of feminism, of third wave feminism. The first is there's no such thing as biological gender. Doesn't exist. And that's where you get this whole transgender movement and all this stuff. So there's no such thing as biological gender. The second tenant is men and women are not just equal, but are the same. Men and women are the same. And in order to achieve that, th- th- that's why culture makes men more like women and women more like men. I'll give some examples of that coming up. The third tenet is men are the worst. <laughs> right? Now, I think each of them is wrong. But it's certainly impossible to believe all three at the same time. How can you believe that there's no such thing as biological gender, but men and women are the same? Or men, men and women are the same, but men are the worst. Like, that doesn't, like none of that makes sense, but there's nothing logical about this. So, I mean, don't even try to make sense of it, but the reason I bring that up, and we're going to talk more about it later is men, the second iteration, men and women are the same, not just equal, but the same. This is what got John McEnroe in trouble a month or so ago. Remember when someone asked him, he didn't bring this up. Someone asked him what Serena Williams would be ranked on the men's circuit. And he said, oh, I don't know, uh, like 500th. Oh, my! Pa, unbelievable. How, how can you say such a thing? <laughs> like, well, like, of course. Of course he's right. What, what, do you th- what do you think? You think she'd beat Federer? What are you talking about? There's not even, not even close. But, and no one really thinks that she could beat Roger Federer or the 499th ranked man in the world. No one really thinks she could. But you're not supposed to say it because men and women are the same. that's what that's what the new new feminism says. We're the same, which is ridiculous. So this guy's whole point was men and women are different, which is amazing that that's controversial at all, let alone fireable. Uh, let me see if I can read a part here. Um, mm, we'll get to all this stuff later. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll go this way instead. Um, So an employee at Google wrote on Twitter, guys, imagine waking up (laughs) to a viral piece of writing saying that you are genetically unsuited for the job you love. (laughs) Imagine that. And Christina Somers wrote back, uh, she said, asked her to cite passage in Google Manifesto where it says this. She blocked me. It does not say that women are genetically unsuited (laughs) for technology. (laughs) Unbelievable. It doesn't say it. And this is the bigger picture. This This is one of the bigger picture topics here. We can't talk to each other. Because no one wants to listen. I was with some friends the other day. There were three of us. Me and two two guys. And we were talking about something. I honestly forget what we were talking about. Uh, diet, maybe. And one guy was wanting to make a point. And the other guy said, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. But what really is the best thing to eat? And the first guy said, okay but i actually think this is the best oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah." but you know what's really important is it and that exchange kind of went back and forth where the first guy was super calm and hey this is what i think is you know and this is why i and the other guys oh yeah, yeah but really and after a couple back and forths of that the first guy said all right i'm done talking to you because you're not listening and this is the key line you're just waiting to talk i love that that's so good you're just waiting to talk right the second guys he's not listening he's just like all right finish finish uh, okay now that you finish i'm gonna say what i wanted to say the whole time that's so true the guy wasn't listening he did not have a posture of curiosity he wasn't wondering genuinely what the other person was was going to say he was just waiting to talk waiting until there was a pause in 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 people talking so that he could jump in and say what he always wanted to say and was practicing in his head the whole time. There was no listening at all. And it's the same with this Google memo. No one read it. Well, I mean, no one no one complaining about it read it. I would say of all the people who are outraged about it, nine, oh, I'm being generous, 90% never read it. They read about it, but 90% of people who are outraged never read it. So what they did instead was projected their worst fears of what he could have said on it and then judged that. they People judged not it. They judged their own creation of it, right? Their own version of it that they wanted to get outraged by. That's <laughs> 100%. There's no doubt. That's what happened to most people. So anyway, I want to quote uh, two people here. This is from um, Christina Somers. It's like a conservative uh, two, two responses. Someone said, it's astonishing how many people confuse claims about within population averages with claims about every member of the population. Okay. That sounds a little confusing. I want to talk about that coming up. Put that one aside. This is a, uh, a tweet from professor Christakis. This is the professor who is at the center of the Yale Halloween costume controversy a couple of years back, remember that? This is the guy who said, who wrote an email saying, hey, you know, if, if someone's wearing an offensive Halloween costume, you should talk to them about it or ignore it. And he got destroyed and run from campus. So he wrote, it's so maddening. It's almost as if people want to recklessly and, disliber- and deliberately misread things with a smiley face because he was a victim of that same thing. want to come back we'll take uh, I'm going to do the the super controversial stance and you're not going to believe this but I'm going to do it and we're going to prove it you ready that men and women are different wow listener discretion advised next mike slater show the blaze radio network spread the word
0: you're listening to
1: mike slater
0: on the blaze radio network
2: That's a new intro song. I like it. Keep it. Keep it in the rotation. Um, All right, I want to play this clip here from uh, The Simpsons from a couple years ago. And Principal Skinner nails it here.
3: Today we celebrate the first of many, 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 many diversity forums. Why is it that women appear to be worse at math than men? What is the source of this illusion, or as I call it, the biggest lie ever told?
0: You're a worse version of Hitler.
3: Please believe me, I I understand the problems of women. See?
0: The principal's a tranny.
3: Am I wearing women's clothes? I didn't notice. When I look in my closet, I don't see male clothes or female clothes. They're all the same. Are you saying that men and women are identical? Oh, no, of course not. Women are unique in every way. Now he's saying women and men aren't equal. No, no, no. It's the differences, of which there are none, that make the sameness exceptional.
2: Just tell me what to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's the differences, which there are none, which make (laughs) perfect. But that's so I said that because that's what we were just talking about, right? Third wave feminism. Uh, First wave, no such thing, or no first aspect, no such thing as biological gender. Second, men and women are the same. And third, men are awful. And you have to have all three of those beliefs at the same time, which is impossible. I have a chart here in front of me. We have it up on our Facebook page as well. You can search for the Mike Slater show on Facebook. A chart of college majors broken down by gender. College majors broken down by gender. So at the top you have uh family and consumer science, 87% female. Uh that's college degrees. So 80% of the female and consumer science college degrees are female, 87%. Health professions, 84% uh, female. Public administration and social service, 82% female. Education, 80%. Psychology, 77%. You get the idea. Legal professions, 70% women. Now, on the flip side, engineering, 20% women. Computer science, 18%. Transportation, 12%. Construction trades, 7%. So a couple points on this. There's this big push to get more women into engineering and technology. Why? Why? Have you ever heard anyone make the argument why? Is there a push to get more men into psychology? Is there an equal push to get more men into social services? Why not? So these differences right the fact that 87% of college degrees in the family sciences go to females and you know 12% of construction trade degrees go to females like what would, why are these differences because of some gender discrimination oppression might our uh, computer science uh, departments not allowing women or are these individual? Are these the results of individual choices by individual people who choose which gender and profession to go into? Larry Summers was Bill Clinton's Treasury Secretary. He was the uh, after that he was the president of Harvard, and in two thousand five he was giving a, a talk at a uh, conference, and he was asked about this, about why there's so few women in technology. And because of his answers, he was fired from the, he was the president of Harvard. He was fired. Now there's actually no transcript of what he said. So the only way we know what he said is from a Boston Globe article, which did um, interviews on people who were there. And he admitted to saying a couple of things, but we don't have exact quotes. He offered a few theories though, as to why there are so few uh, women in technology. And I want to go through a few of those here. First, is the reluctance or inability of women who have children to work 80-hour weeks. I don't know if most people in the country have a concept of an 80- or 100-hour work week, right? Because the unions, it's a 40-hour work week. That's the normal, 9-to-5, 40 hours. Do you know anyone? You you might be this person, but do you know people who work 80-hour work weeks? I got a friend in New York City. She's my age. We graduated together. Uh, she, she's doing the whole New York city banking thing. She has a female boss who calls her kids in the morning from the office to say good morning when they wake So when her kids wake up, she's in the office and she calls them to say hello. And then she calls them again at night to say good night. And she has a nanny, wake them up and put them to bed. Not many women are willing to do that. And that limits a lot of women in fields that require 80 100 hour work weeks why do why do we have to deny this fact well, i don't know what's why why is this politically incorrect women have kids women generally raise the children in the home many women choose and prefer to be with their kids at home or work less than 80 hours or less than even 40 hours so they can spend more time with their kids Why do we deny this fact? Now there's a greater representation of men in professions that require 80 hour work weeks. Is that oppression? Is that oppressive? So that was point number one. Point number two, he said, that got him fired. He said, quote, fewer girls than boys have top scores on science and math tests in late high school years. No one really understands why this is, and it's an area of ferment in social science. Research in behavioral genetics is showing that things people previously attributed to socialization weren't due to socialization at all. So he's saying that it looks like evidence is pointing to the fact that there are inherent characteristics between men and women that tend to make men better at math and science. I don't know why people get offended by that. I don't know what's offensive by it. It'd be like if, if I said men are generally taller than women, which is 100% true because that's average and a six foot five woman says, he's calling me short. No, but men are generally taller than women. Yeah, but Slater, fine. You can say height, but you can't say smarter. I didn't say smarter. Simon Baron-Cohen, he's at the University of Cambridge, he's a neuro uh, neuropsychiatrist, he speaks about the male brain and the female brain. The male brain, he says, is characterized by systemizing tendencies. So a systemizing brain is one that uh, likes to analyze and construct systems and figure out how things work and and figure out the underlying rules that govern the behavior of a system, right? That's a systemizing brain and that's generally men. This doesn't mean that women are stupid. Women have a more empathizing brain. Empathy, right? Empathizing is, is the drive to identify another person's thoughts and emotions and respond to them and understand another person and connect with them and resonate with them emotionally. What college majors and career paths Would be better for a systemizing brain, math and engineering and technology. What college majors and career paths would be better for an empathizing brain, education, psychology, health, and family science. Which one do men generally go into? Which career paths do women generally go into? There's nothing wrong with this. This is natural, it's normal, it's fine. And if you wanna be a man and become a teacher, obviously it's okay. If you wanna be a woman and be going to technology, obviously okay. But this desire to get a 50-50 split, why? That's that's That seems really foolish and really pointless. And then to fire people who dare say such a thing? Give me a break. All right, I'm not even close to done yet. I got another science. Uh, study i want to share with you next about the difference between men and women's brains we will do that next slater radio on twitter mike slater show the blaze radio network spread the word
1: this is mike slater part of the next generation of talk radio on the
0: blaze radio network
1: 13393
2: Mike Slater is on. Slater excited. President Trump's about to talk here in a little bit. Uh we will take that live when he does talking about what's going on in is it in Virginia right now? Is that where this is happening? Um we'll talk about it in a second if you're not even familiar with what that's about. Um, let's polish off this Google stuff until the president starts to talk. So, uh this is Larry Summers, again, his former president of Harvard 2005. This got him fired. He was talking about men and women in in technology. Uh, it says, Summers also used as example one of his daughters, who as a child was given two trucks in an effort at gender-neutral parenting, yet she treated them almost like dolls, naming one of them Daddy Truck and one Baby Truck. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about why that happened in a little bit. I have some science, uh, really interesting research study that was done on why boys and girls play with different toys when they're babies. We'll do that in a little bit, but you're out of your mind if you don't see these differences between boys and girls and and men and women. So my son's 10 months tomorrow. He takes the train, the little train and truck and crawls around the floor making car noises. I didn't teach him how to do that. That's what he does. I'm working at our church doing the kids kingdom, the daycare thing during church. So I I got the one to three-year-olds and they're boys and girls and they're different. This is the best line from this Boston Globe article in 2005 that got Larry Summers fired Uh, is the last line. The organizer of the conference, Harvard economist Richard Freeman, described Summers critics as activists whose sensibilities might be at odds with intellectual debate. There it is. That's what this all is. The people who are outraged, they're not. They're not real. They're not in it for any intellectual debate. They're just activists. That's all that is. To deny that men and women are different boggles my mind. So we're just talking about the male brain. It's a more systematic brain. Men like to fix things and and figure out how things work. Let me give you an example. Let's let's move away from the science. Let's just be real, right? Because you... Again, you can't deny this. Husbands, got any husbands listening here? Your wife comes home and has a problem. Maybe someone at her work, one of her friends, whatever. Have you ever, as the husband, tried to fix the problem that your wife was having? How'd that go for you? Go good? Did it go well? probably not men have a systemizing brain women have an empathizing brain for the most part when your wife shares with you something that's going tough in her life you are a male you have a systemizing brain you want to solve it she has an empathizing brain she wants you to understand it it's very different Right. They're more focused on thoughts and feelings. This is why uh, women are more likely to talk to their cars or a copy machine or a printer as if they have minds and feelings. I distinctly remember growing up, we had an old car that sometimes would have trouble going up hills. And my mom would, would talk to the car and she'd, she'd hit the dashboard, she'd pat it. And she'd say, oh, come on, baby, you can do it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You can do it, you can do it, yay. <laughs> the car isn't listening. That does not make a difference, but women have such an empathetic brain. They act as if it does, by the way, on the difference between men and women or husbands and wives about the whole fixing problems. So my wife and I wave a rule. We talked about this a couple of years ago, and this is how we do it now. Uh, when my wife has a problem an issue that she wants to talk about, I literally will say, and she's down with this. It's not like we talked about it before I did this. Um, I say, do you want me to help you solve it or commiserate? No judgment on either one. It's not like, well, do you want me to solve this or do you want me to commiserate? It's okay, honey. Would you like me to? Would you like me to help solve this or do you want to commiserate? And sometimes she'll say, commiserate, and i will be like, ah, oh, it's the worst. <laughs> and then sometimes she'll be like, no, I, I want you to solve it. I'm like, okay, great. Here's what we got to do. We should call this person and let right. And it just ends. It f- f- preempts so many fights. Right, because if a woman, if your wife wants you to commiserate, and you start to solve, oh jeez, that doesn't go well. Men and women are different, you know it. Everyone knows it. So what the heck is wrong with us that in our society today we have to freak out when someone says something like that? And then you fire the guy. So here's the thing: neither's right or wrong. There's different times when you need different ways of thinking. That's okay. And that's why this Google guy, and this is why I say no one read it, which is amazing because there's all this outrage about it and people are lying about it. People in the media were lying about it constantly. There was one of the anchors on CNN said he was basically saying women shouldn't be around computers. (laughs) What are you talking about? So people could just lie about what it said, but it's right here and you can read it. Everyone can read it, which is wild. That people, they can, so, they can just lie and lie and lie and lie, but it's right in front of us, the truth. Anyway, he never said that women should not be in technology. He said that men and women have different strengths and weaknesses. He also said progressives and conservatives have different strengths and weaknesses. And then he said if we want more women in technology, we don't need to discriminate against men in order to do that. Maybe we can make technology more, um, and, and, and maybe we can make Google more uh collaborative right more pair programming more collaboration more people oriented and that way it will attract more women into this industry and into this company as opposed to forcing it and discriminate against men in order to get more women in why don't we just make some changes to the company into the industry so that women will want to join maybe we create a better work-life balance which will appeal to, to women more that's what his memo was. And to call it an anti-diversity screed, it's really, it's wild, wild, this world we're living in today. one 93 I want to take an early break, waiting for uh, the president here. And if he talks, then I want to make sure we don't have to interrupt him with a, uh, with a quick break. So take a break here. Come back. Uh, hopefully, President Trump will be speaking. If not, I want to tell you about Purdue University and their engineering department and how they uh, are destroying themselves. <laughs> you won't believe this next. Mike Slater, show the Blaze Radio Network spread the word.
1: Mike Slater
0: on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is Mike Slater.
2: I want to go right to President Trump. This is literally just three minutes ago, starting off his press conference, talking about what's going on in uh, Virginia right now, some protests.
4: Well, thank you very much. As you know, this was a small press conference, but a very important one. And it was scheduled to talk about the great things that we're doing with the secretary on the Veterans Administration. And we will talk about that very much so in a little while. But I thought I should put out a comment as to what's going on in Charlottesville so again I want to thank everybody for being here in particular I want to thank our incredible veterans and thank you fellas let me shake your hand so I'm just reading ahead by now that someone's died at these rallies someone hit by a car I guess we have to come together as Americans with love for our nation And true affection, really, and I I say this so strongly, true affection for each other. Our country is doing very well in so many ways. We have record, just absolute record employment. We have unemployment, the lowest it's been in almost 17 years. We have companies pouring into our country, Foxconn and car companies and so many others. They're coming back to our country. We're renegotiating trade deals to make them great for our country and great for the American worker. We have so many incredible things happening in our country. So when I watch Charlottesville, to me it's very, very sad. I want to salute the great work of the state and local police in Virginia, credible people. Law enforcement, credible people. And also the National Guard, they've really been working smart and working hard. They've been doing a terrific job. Federal authorities are also providing tremendous support to the governor. He thanked me for that. And we are here to provide whatever other assistance is needed. We are ready, willing, and able. Above all else, we must remember this truth. No matter our color, creed, religion, or political party, we are all Americans first. We love our country. We love our God. We love our flag. We're proud of our country. We're proud of who we are. So, we want to get the situation straightened out in Charlottesville. And we want to study it. And we want to see what we're doing wrong as a country where things like this can happen. My administration is restoring the sacred bonds of loyalty between this nation and its citizens. But our citizens must also restore the bonds of trust and loyalty between one another. We must love each other, respect each other, and cherish our history and our future together. So important. We have to respect each other. Ideally, we have to love each other. And now to the Veterans Administration, I mean, where I'm so, so proud. Trump said that I don't
2: think he knew at that time that someone uh, in a car sped down the street and hit a group of protesters. This just happened, I, I don't know who he hit, I, we no no, no details whatsoever. It literally just happened, but we have amazing, there's a ton of video there, a ton of people videotaping this, right? Um, and you see the car fly full speed into a group of people and then slam into another car and then reverse back out of the street and disappear. Uh, I don't think they have the car yet. I don't think they found the guy who even did it here. So like this just happened. Um, but we got a ton of video of it happening and it's horrific Uh, It says at least one dead after car plows into protesters during this rally. Uh, Many more will be injured from it. What the heck's wrong with people? Like the whole thing. I, I don't. All right. So before someone died, that changes things. But I don't like to bite on stuff like this because it's such a sideshow. It's not real. It's not representative of anyone. This stuff is mostly cable news, soap opera drama. I've been in rallies like this. I've been in these little mini protests. Most of the people there are just looky-loos who have their video cameras out, who are videotaping and be like, oh my gosh, look how crazy it is here. This is producers of cable news networks going to work in the morning and saying, well, what are we talking about today? Russia again? All right anything else we can talk about and someone's like oh there's a white supremacist rally all right i'm sure they're always rights i mean I, I don't know i feel like that happens frequently i don't know how often it happens but why this one why did this one get news coverage to begin with all right so they find some nas- white nationalist rally going on somewhere and they cover it cover it as if it's a significant thing as if it's something that's representative of anyone other than the few people who are there but it hits on all the main things that are necessary for a news story. First of all, it's something. Remember, the number one priority of cable news, the number one priority, this is the number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten priority of cable news is to fill time. That's it. Now, if you can fill time with some conflict and some striking imagery, some smoke bombs, maybe some blood, Oh, and well, now we're talking. If you can get a reporter on scene that I can say, well, Charlie, I'm right in the middle of the violence here. And he's like covering his ear and he's ducking a little bit. The police are over there. You can see I, j- I, j- I, j- I just saw someone launch some sort of projectile. I don't, I don't know if it was a bomb. Could have been bullets. Maybe it was a bird. I'm not sure. Happened really fast. Probably a bomb. And it's just crazy down here, Charles. Back back to you. I'm sorry, I'm breaking up. I'm, right. And you can create that image. Like, oh. Like that's soap opera cable news drama. And I don't know any of the details about what happened with this car. Don't know anything about it yet. But the fact that you got some white supremacists coming out, who cares? And then you cover it and you just make it bigger than it is, and then you get anti-protesters coming out. And they make a big thing, and then people start fighting each other and hitting each other with whatever. And it's like, what the heck is wrong with everyone? These people are crazy. They're the extremes on both sides, if you even want to say that. I don't even want to say anyone's on a side. They're just crazy. Don't give them this attention. Don't lift them up anymore. They're they're, they're at the bottom of the barrel. They're the worst of the worst. They're sick people, twisted. Don't give them a platform. It doesn't make you much better than them when you do that. Now, if I may, I see these white supremacists here, Nazis, in my book. There's a whole chapter where I share a story about a man, a black man. He's, he's a, a, a blues. He plays the piano in a blues band. But his real calling is to convert clan members. He's converted over 200 clan members, had them leave the clan. How is how did he do that? I'll tell you, he didn't do that by counter-protesting or throwing stuff at him, or and like we're so far from what it takes to actually communicate with people and change minds. It's really sad. And people are losing their lives over Mike Slater. Show spread the word
0: you're listening to mike slater
1: part of the next generation of talk radio on
0: the blaze radio network
1: and go for mike slater in three two one you're listening to mike slater part of the next generation of talk radio only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: we got a little more information coming in uh, as this is all happening right now with this white supremacist rally and now just turned into total chaos in uh, Virginia and a car just rammed right into a crowd, one dead, 19 injured, uh, a bunch of video of it from different perspectives. There are a lot of people there uh, recording all the protests that were going on. So there's a lot of different video. I've seen a few of them. It's uh, pretty brutal and awful. So this is what you're going to hear about for the next couple of days. That story right there. Um, I, I'm so, excuse my cynicism. And, and as I, of course, we mourn with those who mourn. And it's a horrible situation. Someone lost their life here. I am so over these protests. I'm so over them. I don't see myself ever going to one ever, 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 ever. I can't imagine a scenario where I would think, protesting like this would ever be a good thing how could that possibly be what do people think is going to happen i'm shocked that there aren't more people killed at every at these all the time and the police are in a no win right when the police stand back and let the people fight it out it escalates and people die when they get more involved and they stop things before they get out of hand well then the police are too militarized and- getting in, and cringing on our freedom of speech. I was like, so they can't, please the can't win. We our country. Our society can only exist. If we are a virtuous people, our founders said it, we all know it. And we're not. They're not as a whole. We are not. And you get, you get stuff like this. Again, I'm shocked. This doesn't happen all the time, all the time, every time, every time there's a protest, people don't, do stuff like this. Amazing. We'll talk more about it, obviously, as we get more information. And I'm sure you're going to hear all about it uh, next couple of days here. Uh, I want to get back to the Google thing the other day. This is the big story of the week. And we haven't talked much about the, what he wrote himself, right? You can go read it, but there's some bigger themes that this whole thing Exposed. And I want to go a little deeper into feminism here for just a minute. Third wave feminism. I mentioned this in the last hour, but I want to go a little deeper here and why this is a problem. So third wave feminism, it's the third iteration of feminism. It's feminism 3.0, if you will. There's three different aspects. First, there's no such thing as biological gender. This is the whole transgender thing. Second thing is men and women are the same, not just equal, but the same. So this is why they try to make men be more like women and women more like men. An example of men being more like women, did we mention last week? I don't know if we did, but L'Oreal said that within five years, they're going to have makeup counters in, the, in department stores just for men. So men, male makeup counters in department stores. Okay, so we're trying to make men more like women. There's a million examples of that. The third uh, aspect is all men are awful. So no such thing as biological gender, men and women are the same and all men are awful. Now, each of those is wrong, but it's impossible to hold all three of those beliefs at the same time. How can men and women be the same and men are awful? That doesn't, like none of those things make sense. So feminism totally off the rails. And I want to quote here from Mark Manson. He wrote a really great piece on this the other day. And I want to echo a bunch of his thoughts here. First things first, philosophically, feminism got it right right the based foundation and this is going to tie in here a little bit actually to uh this rally here philosophically got it right all people regardless of gender should be afforded the same rights and respect as any one of the other gender right that's that's the philosophy behind feminism it's all good but then it became tribal and this is where we get in trouble George Carlin said, I love individuals. I love individuals. I hate groups of people. I hate groups of people with a common purpose because pretty soon they have little hats and armbands and fight songs and a list of people that they're going to visit at 3 a.m. So I dislike and despise groups of people, but I love individuals. So Manson said, Once you get a group of people together, organized for a single purpose, achieving political leverage and adopting power, building institutions and careers for themselves, all sorts of bad human tendencies start to take over. This is where you, if you don't have virtue, these bad human tendencies take over. He says, All humans, we are as humans, we are tribal by nature. Our natural default is to see ourselves as part of some group that's struggling against some other group. At all times and once we're a part of our little group our little tribe we adopt all sorts of biases and preferences we construct belief systems that justify our group's power and superiority we create tests of whether other people are true and pure members of our group and we either shame non-believers into conformity or we simply expel them from the tribe So those stalwart feminist activists of the 60s and 70s who were burning the bras or whatever, many of them moved into academia. They got graduate degrees and wrote books and founded departments and held conferences and created political organizations and had fundraisers and started magazines. And pretty soon, feminism was no longer a cause for these people. It was their career. Their paychecks depended on There being oppression everywhere they looked. Their departments depended on it. Their professional careers and speaking fees depended on it. And so they found it. They found patriarchy. They found oppression everywhere. And thus philosophical feminism became tribal feminism. That's the big problem. Remember we played a quote a couple of weeks ago of Peter Thiel, played a video of Peter Thiel. And he said, if you want to find racism everywhere, you'll find it. But the problem is if you go searching for it and you find racism everywhere, you're going to find racists everywhere. And then society crumbles. And honestly, you destroy it or you had a major part in it. And I think it's the same thing here. If you want to find sexism everywhere, you'll find it. You'll find it. And this is why people every once in a while complain about the women's soccer team making less money than the men, right? Even though men fill up stadiums and the women don't get anywhere near the attendance or advertising revenue as the men's team. But it's got to be sexist because I got to find it everywhere. And when sexism is everywhere, then there are sexists everywhere. And society is further divided and crumbles. And I think it's mostly the fault of the people who are looking for it all the time. And I think it ties into this protest going on the other day too, or right now, excuse me, the other day going on right now. uh, You have these messed up white supremacists, totally perverted, screwed up thinking. And they see, I don't even know what they see, right? They see the other groups, the other tribes, whatever winning. I don't like, who knows? They're so messed up. I can't even get inside their head. Right, but they see it everywhere. And then it all becomes institutionalized, and they're a part of their group, and and, and they increase in what they think is power and prestige, and they have these marches, and blah, blah, blah. But then you have these other people who want to see sex, uh, racism everywhere. And they're like, oh, look there's a pro there's a there's a some white supremacist let's go and protest them and then we got the protesters who there they think their livelihood depends on it and then you got these other people who think they're in it for a righteous cause by tearing down these white supremacists and then it just explodes and explodes and gets worse 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 and then you get people dying everyone's lost their minds remember a couple weeks ago we talked about japanese americans during world war ii and, and I, if I was ever given this task, and there's no wrong answer here really, right? But if I was given this task, I'd say that the men of the 442 during World War II is the greatest story in American history. Now, I know that's a big claim, and like, I'm not going to stick my flag in this because someone will be like, well, what about this? I'd, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I were to pick one, the men of the 442. So these were Japanese Americans who joined the military after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor And after their families were interned, rounded up in the middle of the night and put in internment camps, and these men joined the military to fight against the Japanese. And, and they purposefully intentionally wanted to prove the stereotypes wrong. So they joined the military and fought with incredible bravery while they they brought, they fought for a country who was interning their family members back home, but they wanted to prove everyone wrong so badly i feel like there's so many people today who it's like we're trying to prove everyone right we're trying to prove everyone's worst suspicions of us right (laughs) right someone will say hey you're uh you uh white nationalists you guys are uh violent and someone's like. And they're like, no, we're not. Or it's the other way. It's, we'll show you how violent we are. And it's like, Black Lives Matter. Gosh, you guys are totally out of control. Yeah, we are. And they get more. Like, everyone's just going crazier and crazier, trying to prove the worst suspicions of us right. Meanwhile, no desire to stand for what is true. No desire to stand for what is virtuous. No desire to prove everyone wrong. This stuff is all becoming too institutionalized. It's becoming too tribal. Livelihoods are depending on people behaving the worst, like the worst aspects of themselves. And of course, this is going to be the end result. one 93 Mike Slater, show The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: This is... Mike Slater, on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Mike Slater.
2: Thanks, uh, Let's do one more last thought here on this whole Google manifesto. Then we'll move on to other things. Uh, this is insight from a neuroscientist at the university of York. It's in England. Um, she goes on to explain why. So this is, it goes back to men and women are different and are shocking. Right. And remember Larry Summers, pre- former president of Harvard. He was fired in 2005 because he said men and women are different and he sh- shared a story of his daughter who they wanted to, you know, gender neutral parenting. And he gave her trucks He gave his daughter two trucks and she played with them as if there was daddy truck and baby truck. <laughs> right. Men-, men and women are different. Boys and girls are different. So let me quote here from this scientist here and I'll explain why boys and girls are different and why they play with different toys. Um, Let me quote here, as mentioned in the memo, gendered interests are predicted by exposure to prenatal testosterone. Higher levels are associated with the preference for mechanically interesting things and occupations in adulthood. Lower levels of testosterone, prenatal testosterone, so still in the womb, lower levels are associated with a preference for people-oriented activities and occupations. This is why stem fields tend to be dominated by men. We see evidence for this in girls with a genetic condition called congenital adrenal hyperplasia who are exposed to unusually high levels of testosterone in the womb, right? So you have a girl in the womb and there's this condition where there's there's more testosterone than normal. When they are born, these girls, prefer male-typical wheeled toys, such as trucks, even if their parents offer more positive feedback when they play with female-typical toys, such as dolls. Similarly, men who are interested in female-type activities were likely exposed to lower levels of testosterone in the womb. (laughs) Why? So why boys like trucks and girls like dolls is I don't want to say hundred percent determined, but, but influenced strongly by the amount of testosterone that's in the womb. That's amazing. We got another study here again, men and women are different, uh, And if there's any women listening now who uh, I want to ask you, have you ever had trouble sleeping at night? Have you ever had trouble because your brain is just on overdrive? Just, you just can't can't shut it down. You're thinking, you're worried. Regrets of the day, things I didn't do, things I still have to do. Oh my gosh, and this person and that person and my kids and the husband and this and I can, you just can't. I know guys are like this too, but mostly women. I think it's the number one reason why people can't get sleep. Well, is their brain is just on overdrive. So this is the, uh, a new study. It's the largest study ever done on brain imaging. And they found that the cerebral cortex, part of a woman's brain, the cerebral cortex is much more active than a man's. A cer- the cerebral cortex is primarily involved in impulse control and emotions. And mostly mood and anxiety more active in a woman's brain than a man's brain. And the lead author of this study said this is very important study to help understand gender based brain differences. Well, don't tell anyone in Google that there are gender based brain differences. The fact that women showed greater blood flow in the prefrontal cortex compared to men may explain why women tend to exhibit greater strengths in the areas of empathy, intuition, collaboration, self-control, and appropriate concern. Empathy. So there you go. That's exactly what the guy at Google was saying. That women have a more empathy brain. They do better with collaboration. So maybe we should, uh, instead of forcing women into, into tech or preventing men from getting into tech to make more room for women, we should have more collaboration at Google. So that way women would want to get in. that's, 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 that's I mean, it's unbelievable that this is controversial. The study also found increased blood flow in limbic areas of the brains of women, which may partially explain why women are more vulnerable to anxiety, depression, insomnia, and eating disorders. Right. So another part of a woman's brain tends to be more active which leads to uh, these negative things. Again, don't tell anyone at Google that there are differences between a man's brain and a, and a woman's brain. Just, again, stunning <laughs> that this is controversial and we have to even have this conversation. <laughs> but this is also the, this is not on, no, this is the effect of third wave feminism. Remember the three tenets. Never forget these. First, I'll go backwards. The third one is that men are awful the second is that oh so, and so men are awful right here's the patriarchy the patriarch patriarchy at Google uh, discriminating against women men are awful uh, you got a bunch of women suing Google for workplace discrimination because of this memo right so men are awful that's number three number two men and women are the same that's the cause of all this outrage right? men and women have to be the same and this guy's like well no they're di- men and women are different not better or worse, different, we need both. Diversity's good, but, but let's acknowledge that men and women are different. Nope, can't have that. That's the second aspect. The first is that there's no such thing as a biological difference between men and women. So all this science here about biological differences between men and women, and I'm not even talking about uh, 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 private parts, whatever. I'm talking about brain biological differences. You can't even talk about that even though more and more science is coming out every day to prove it. So there's third wave feminism, which has entirely caused this Google controversy, where if we didn't have third wave feminism infesting our society, infecting our society, then this guy would have written this this memo and everyone would have said, oh, he makes some really interesting points. We should maybe, we should maybe uh, think about that. Instead, right. it, it was a week of, oh, my God. Oh, it's unbelievable. 1-888-933-93. 1-888-933-93. 933 right, we'll come back. We'll give you the latest on what's going on in uh, Charlottesville right now. That car rammed into a crowd of people. Don't know who, what the crowd was, who did it. No nothing yet, but one dead, 19 injured so far. A lot of video of it. You're going to be hearing a lot of it in the next couple of days here. Unbelievable. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze. Radio Network, spread the word.
1: This is Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio. On
0: the Blaze Radio Network.
2: I want to talk about the depths of a lie. I want to use one specific topic to uh, to do this. But keep in mind that there's lies like this all over the place. Uh, I would say that most people at this protest in Charlottesville are just c- consume these lies constantly. I mean, deep, profound lies. I don't just mean, uh, you know, the tax rate is... 34 really? I thought it was 36. Like, that's like misconception. I'm deep, deep lies. And they're acting out on behalf uh, based on them. So I want to pick one topic, but just know that everyone or a lot of people are acting uh, based off of lies like this. I think the, uh, and I'm doing this topic in light of just talking about feminism a second ago. I think the greatest. And, and the worst manifestation of the feminist ideology is that women should be for abortion or pro-choice. That is that is the worst manifestation of feminism. Because if a woman's nature, as we just talked about, if a woman's nature is to love people and to care and have compassion right, and empathy... That's the, that's the woman's brain, right? It's wired to have more of that than a man, uh, especially to her offspring. If that's the natural human tendency in women, then to convince women to not continue on with their most inherent instinct proves the depth and insidiousness of the lie. Lindy West wrote an op-ed in the New York Times the other day. She's the author of shrill notes from a loud woman. Okay. Uh, Her argument is that Democrats should have a litmus test that says you have to be pro-choice. So she's saying there's no such thing as a pro-life Democrat. There shouldn't be. She says there's no recognizable version of the democratic party that does not fight unequivocally against half of its constituents being stripped of ownership of their bodies and lives. This represents everything Democrats purport to stand for to legislatively oppose abortion is to be at best indifferent to the disenfranchisement suffering and even possibly death of a woman at worst. It is to revel in these things to believe them fundamental to the natural order. All right. So I want to, I want to outline just a couple lies here. So she's saying right here that abortion is fundamental to the natural order. How can that be? Think about that for a second. How can that be? How can ending life and even if you want to see it as a potential for life, which we'll get to in a second, but how can you, how can you think that ending life is the natural order? How can that possibly be? That's a lie. That's an obvious lie. (laughs) Next one. Uh, To be anti-choice on a policy level is absolutely indefensible from an economic justice, racial justice, gender justice. (laughs) I can't. It's not. It can't just be justice anymore. Right. What a great example of all the tribalness that we were talking about about half an hour ago. The tribalness that exists in everything. We have economic justice, racial justice, gender justice, and a human rights standpoint. And if the Democratic Party does not stand for any of those things, what on earth is it? So th- I love the racial justice. I'll just pick that one out. Remember, more black babies are aborted in New York City than born every year. More black babies are aborted in New York City than, ki- than, than born. Isn't that amazing? Just think of the lengths that parents went to to have their babies and keep their babies and their families intact during slavery and just after slavery. And today the number and the flippancy and celebration, even of the abortion of black babies, it's unbelievable the difference and keep in mind, Planned Parenthood was founded, founded on ridding the world of the undesirables that is black and disabled people. So again, the depths of the lie that that people today can say that to be pro-abortion is racial justice. How can killing 900 black babies a day be racial justice? (laughs) What are you talking about? 900 black babies a day are aborted and that's racial justice. Hmm. All right, I'll end on this one. Abortion, she says, is not a fringe issue. Abortion is liberty. Gosh, again, what a great lie. Abortion's liberty. Quick note here. Liberty is not the freedom to do whatever you want. Like she feels it is. Liberty's not the freedom to do whatever you want. It's the absence of force. And what other way can you describe abortion other than force? It's force against the baby. So there's four lies. Deep insidious lies first that if you're a woman you should be pro-choice pro-abortion second abortion is fundamental to the natural order what third abortion is racial justice and fourth abortion is liberty now if you're a woman you should be pro-life life is fundamental to the natural order not killing black babies is racial justice and life is liberty, not abortion. Or, I'm like, what? It's unbelievable. Gosh, how could we have uh, fallen so far with this? I want to take an early break. Uh, keep that in mind. If, if people, this is a New York Times op-ed. If people can write this in the New York Times and and others believe it these these are fundamental foundational truths that she's lying about I mean I don't, I don't even know which ones the most absurd I'll, I'll do this one the abortion is fundamental to the natural order What do you How how can that be Take that to the extreme everyone's dead Like <laughs> Life is fundamental to the natural order. Making life. Raising babies to become adults so that they can have babies. Like, that's the natural order. Not killing people. But people just live live their life in this this world with these lies. And it's the same thing with these people in Charlottesville. Gosh, I bet if you were there, you would feel the darkness. It, it It would feel evil it would feel wrong it would just oh wow everyone's living in like the matrix here everyone is totally totally out of their minds no one's thinking properly no one has their vision in line with truth at all and it's because there are just lies everywhere so much darkness not nearly enough light Mike Slater show the blaze radio network spread the word
0: Mike Slater We'll continue
1: in a moment On the blaze radio network
2: So it's going on in Charlottesville right now, but these protests have happened for a long time all over the place. Portland, they're, they do happen frequently in Portland. Just crazies on all sides. I mean, you got this, the anti-fa, stands for anti-fascists, which is very George Orwell, right? Just flip it around. Right, They, they are fascists. They say they're anti-fascists, but they're fascists. <sighs> I want to share a story here uh, of Carrie Smith. This is someone who considered herself a social justice warrior. Another meaningless term intentionally made that way to disguise their real intent. But alas, uh, it's a story of a girl who realized how full of hate she really was as a social justice warrior. And she decided to stop that's it. It was a choice she made to stop being full of hate for everyone who is not in her cult. And you think, well, say that's impossible. You can't just choose to not hate. Yeah, you can. She says, I see increasing numbers of so-called liberals. And in and, and her, let me just say this, her situation, she is a progressive, right? Now, I'm, you can flip this around and take someone who is a white supremacist or whatever. It's the same thing. It's just stop hating whatever your original hate was. I see increasing numbers of so-called liberals, cheering censorship and defending violence as a response to speech. I see seemingly reasonable people wishing death on others and laughing at escalating suicide and addiction rates of the white working class. I see, I see concepts like equality and justice being used as a mask for resentful murderous rage. This is the sentence I like the most of what she said. She said, I've been dwelling in this Nietzsche quote uh, for almost six months now. He who fights with monsters should be careful lest he thereby become a monster. And if you gaze long into the abyss, the abyss will also gaze into you. She says, how how easy is it for ordinary humans to commit atrocious acts? History teaches us it's pretty darn easy when you're blinded to your own hypocrisy. When you believe you are morally superior, when you have dehumanized those you disagree with, you can justify almost anything. In a particularly vocal part of the left, justification for dehumanizing and committing violence against those on the right has already begun, and she goes on, but could you think of a better example of this right here? Then getting in your car, think about this. So, so again, she says, how is, easy is it for ordinary humans to commit atrocious acts? Pretty easy when you're blinded by your own hypocrisy. So this guy, assuming it's a guy, he's in custody, go, like wakes up in the morning, this morning, and says, I'm going to go to this rally. That's mistake number one. Then in the midst of it, who knows what he was doing the last couple hours, who he was yelling at, who was yelling at him, who, blah, blah, whatever, whatever happened right? decides to get in his car, walk to his car, wherever he parked, get in his car, turn it on, drive back to the protest. You know, maybe he uh, wanted to turn right on this street, but it was a one way. So we had to go another street and wait at the stoplight for a couple seconds and then turn right and go around the block and come back. And then he had to line up. Right. So my point, like there was like a lot of time here. This wasn't a split second decision. And then uh, gets his car right, right, where right where he needs to go and decides to put the pedal to the metal all the way and into the crowd of people. That man blinded to his own hypocrisy. Pretty easy to commit atrocious acts when you're that blind and when you believe so many lies. And this is why I wanted to put in my book the story of Daryl Davis. He is a black man plays in a blues band, blues band. That's where he makes his money, this is his job, but his calling is to convert clan members. How does a black man convert clan members? He befriends them. He's converted over 200 people from the clan. How does he do it? He meets with them in person. And he listens to them. <laughs> He just lets them talk. That's it. Just the act of listening to these people filled with hate. Daryl Davis filled with love. These clan members full of hate. And he listens to them. Now these guys have been raised to hate Daryl because he's black. But then they meet with him. And he listens to them. And then they start to realize that, well, he's not so bad. And then he says, well, how can you hate me? You don't even know me. And then they become friends. And over time, he converts them. They have hate. And the only antidote is love. And he is the proof. He's done it 200 times. He met with and befriended the, the leader of the clan in Maryland. And they became such good friends. This guy left the clan in Maryland. The clan disbanded. And now, since then, there hasn't even been a clan in Maryland. They'll try to have meetings every once in a while. But the people, there are always people from out of town. And it never picks up because the leader was, was left the Klan because of Daryl Davis. (sighs) Now there's a black activist. His name's Kwame Rose who doesn't like this approach. He says, infiltrating the Klan isn't freeing your people. Stop wasting your time going to people's houses who don't love you. A house where they want to throw you under the basement. White supremacists can't change. Daryl Davis says, people at the NAACP say, man, what are you doing having these clan members over for dinner? Here we are trying to make a difference, and you're just pushing us backwards. And Daryl says, how many Klan members have you converted? I've converted over 200. Here, look at this closet. He's got a closet at home full of robes of former Klan members. And then they shut up. the woman who left this social justice warrior cult. She said, since shedding the prison of my former ideology, I have renewed passion for reading, a newfound interest in philosophy, psychology, history, and spirituality. And instead of trying to fix others these days, I try to focus on improving myself, which I can tell you is a much harder endeavor, but a much better one. My book's called How to Change Someone's Mind. You can find it on Amazon. Pick it up and and listen to the story of Daryl Davis. There's a uh, Netflix documentary about Daryl Davis as well. And you can watch that. And that's what this world clearly, obviously, needs more of. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
1: You're listening to Mike Slater on The Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater in 3, 2, 1. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Slater, Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. Happy uh, Saturday. Um, we're looking at what's going on in Charlottesville right now. Totally out of control. Um, I want to. So you have these these people who take. So um, where do we start? We've talked a lot in this show about culture recently, and how cultures are different. And I think some cultures are better. And you have these groups that take that to this ridiculous extreme, and undercuts every genuine argument that that does exist in a more academic world. Let me speak to the genuineness part here. Two professors, Amy Wax, she's at the University of Pennsylvania Law School, Ivy League School, and Larry Alexander, University of San Diego Law School. Uh, I don't see how these two people are gonna keep their job after this editorial, I'll just be honest. But what they do, they, they, they write this editorial, and the, the first thing they do is they map out a bunch of different broken aspects of our society. Opioid use, which is getting a lot of publicity recently. Homicides in our cities. Half of children today are born out of wedlock. Kids graduating high school, they can't read and write. And they just go down the list. And they conclude quote, these and other maladies is the breakdown, the result of the breakdown of the country's bourgeois culture. Bourgeois, I don't know why people use this word, it's middle class, it's all I means. Now, people are going to read this and say, "Oh that's a dog whistle for white middle class." no that's not what they're saying at all it has nothing to do with skin color it's deeper than that it's more than that obviously skin you can't get you cannot get more surface level literally and, and figuratively than skin color right this is about deeper than that. She says, they say that culture at the old, the old middle-class culture in America laid out the script that we are supposed to follow. Get married before you have children and strive to stay married for their sake. Get the education you need for gainful employment. Work hard, avoid idleness. Go the extra mile for your employer or client. Be a patriot ready to serve. Be neighborly, civic minded and charitable. Avoid coarse language in public. Be respectful of authority. Avoid substance abuse and crime. Right? That's the bourgeois middle class culture that we used to have in America. And they say this cultural script began to break down in the mid-1960s. A combination of factors encouraged an anti-authoritarianism, adolescent, wish-fulfillment ideal that was unworthy of and unworkable for a mature, prosperous adult society. This era saw the beginning of an identity politics that inverted the colorblind aspirations of civil rights leaders like the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. into an obsession with race, ethnicity, gender, and now sexual preference. Real quick timeout. We say all the time on this show that one of the greatest um, uh, b- blackouts in history, in American history, is removing of the reverend from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., removing of anything related to Jesus, sermon, Christian, Bible, get rid of all that. And now it's just Martin Luther King Jr. or Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but they take out the reverend part. Here we have these two authors, including the reverend and for good reason. Now, are you with these people so far? They haven't gotten to the fireable offense yet. That's the reason why I don't think they're going to have their jobs anymore. We haven't gotten to that part yet, so let's just get right to it. Quote, all cultures are not equal, they say. Or at least they're not equal in preparing people to be productive in an advanced economy. That's an important point there. They're not equal for what? So what's the goal here? I think the goal is to be productive in an advanced economy. And some cultures are not good for that. The culture of the Plains Indians was designed for nomadic hunters, but it's not suited for the first world 21st century environment. Nor are the single parent... Anti social habits prevalent among some working class whites, the anti acting white rap culture of inner city blacks, and the anti assimilation ideals gaining ground among some Hispanic immigrants. These cultural orientations are not only incompatible with what an advanced free market economy and a vile democracy require, but they're also destructive of a sense of solidarity among Americans. And if the bourgeois middle class cultural script cannot be widely reinstated. Things are likely to get much worse for us all. So basically the whole point of this is get your life together. Now, I don't want to sound all Gary V here, but most of the issues that are plaguing our society and that are like at large, macro, and also on a micro level, most of the problems plaguing our own individual lives, it's caused by self-harm, self-destructive behavior. I've shared this story a million times, but you know, Glenn Beck's my hero. He's the reason I got into radio. And I had the opportunity to go on his tour bus. This was... I, someone can look up the date, but we were going to the villages, the villages, and we were driving there and I was in the bus, super nervous. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to ask him a question. So I asked Glenn Beck his advice for a young up and coming radio guy. And without skipping a beat that quick, he said, avoid self-destructing behavior, self-destructive behavior. I'll never forget it. Just like that. Avoid self-destructive behavior. So it wasn't something like I was anticipating, which was, Oh, make sure you do this and do this and do this. It was don't do these things. <laughs> he wasn't specific, but just self-destructive behavior. And we all know what those are. I and mean, we see celebrities do this stuff all the time, but it's everywhere. It's, it's in our own homes, I read an article the other day from a divorce lawyer and it was this guy's advice, 10, 10 ways to avoid divorce. And it was all self-destructive behavior. That's all his advice was stop watching porn. Listen to your spouse. Don't cheat on each other. Be patient with each other, right? It's all just like basic common sense, non-self-destructive things. And as I mentioned earlier, and as we can look at Charlotte, our founding fathers said this country cannot survive unless we are a virtuous people. But nothing can survive unless we're a virtuous people. Families can't survive unless we're virtuous people. Communities and countries. But when virtue itself is under attack everywhere, literally virtue itself is under attack. Think of the characteristics right here. Let's do this real quick. Think of the characteristics that define a man. Right? So when I th- so when you think of like a John Wayne, like a man, a stereotypical man, what, what are some characteristics you think of? I think of confidence. I think of uh, strength. Leadership. I think of chivalry. Right? You take all those things, whatever answer you gave, Those, all those good things today are now bundled under toxic masculinity. <laughs> right? All those things that used to be a virtue of being, a, the virtues of a man are now bad things. They're all toxic masculinity. Even chivalry, holding a door for a woman. Oh, who, like, you don't think I can open the door myself? Like that, it's all toxic masculinity. So virtue itself under attack. If you are black and, and you want to get a, an education, oh, well, you're just acting white, right? So you're torn down by others. Sex before marriage, oh, what a prude, right? We just go on and on. All these virtues are now bad things. And then on the flip side, all the vices, all the bad things are encouraged and celebrated. Just look at Kardashian. I mean, whatever. I mean, you can pick a million examples of Hollywood or whatever, All, all everything people celebrated for all these negative things. Last quote here. Would the re-embrace of bourgeois norms, so middle-class norms, Uh, By ordinary Americans who have abandoned them significantly, would that reduce society's pathologies problems? There is every reason to believe so. But restoring the hegemony of the bourgeois culture will require the arbiters of culture, the academics, media, and Hollywood, to relinquish multicultural grievance polemics, so Black Lives Matter basically, and the preening pretense of defending the downtrodden, which they are not doing. Instead of bashing the bourgeois culture, they should return to the 1950s posture of celebrating it, and that is why I see these two professors no longer having a job, persona non grata on their campuses. Um, now, I, I tough luck. You know, don't hold your breath if you're waiting for academics, media, and Hollywood to uh, restore and return to 1950s mm-hmm. middle class norms, right? <laughs> Uh, just turn turn on any the nighttime primetime TV show today, all right? Tell me if you think Hollywood is anywhere near where we used to be, where we should be. So it, it's up to you. Uh, can I give one suggestion on how to do this in your family? If you have, uh, well, first of all, we, I have a podcast called Christian parenting, so you can check that out on iTunes. Um, and we talk to different Christian leaders about how to be a good parent, but we talked to one author in particular, Uh, She wrote a book called Knights in Training. It's awesome. If you have boys, what she does is she she takes all the age-old wisdom of chivalry and knights and brings it to relevancy in today's culture. And it teaches boys how to look to help, right? How to to keep their head on a swivel. Help the damsel in distress. Teaches boys to be men. Protect the vulnerable. To be humble, gracious, loving, serve and protect. It's awesome. That uh, that uh, the book. I think I put it on Twitter. Actually, hold on, let me see where it is. Uh, yeah, it's up on Twitter right now. Slater Radio on Twitter. You'll see it right there. Excellent boy. Excellent book on raising boys in today's society. How to raise them to be men. You can click that link right there and buy. It. Uh, great book. That is a culture that works. We know it works. It worked, and it will again. We should try it again culture matters in our country and in our families i want to share the story next of albion's seed we'll explain it next mike slater show the blaze radio network spread the word
0: you're listening to mike slater on the blaze radio network
1: Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Slater, we're talking about culture. Uh, I was talking to a Yankees fan the other day, and we were talking about the difference between Yankees fans and Red Sox fans and how that rivalry started and why it continues. And the reason it's a thing is because the cultures of these two cities are very different. People from New York City are very different from people from Boston. Neither good or bad necessarily. We've got a ton of similarities too, obviously, but... I don't know why we ignore the differences. I think the differences are fascinating. I think it's fascinating. I think it's important to know. Uh, The reason we kind of got into this conversation was really we started talking about the Google thing and uh, the Google manifesto and uh, talking about real diversity and all that stuff because we're supposed to pretend that all people are the same in every way, which just isn't true. And that's what's amazing to me. The left has this fetish for multiculturalism. But then when I or someone talks about differences in cultures, like, whoa, 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 you can't can't say every culture is great. Every culture is great and the same. (laughs) Except for ours. Ours is the worst. But all the other ones are great and the same. And then I bring up differences between cultures. And I can't because we're all the same. You see? doesn't make any sense. Now, we've talked before about American culture versus the culture of other countries. Usually we do that in an immigration context. But what about within America? What about the different cultures within this country? So the current idea today that they, what people are uh, sociologists and, and others are uh, the working theory is that there are 11 main cultural groups in America today and they're all separate because of where the original settlers to those areas came from. I know the last couple of weeks we've talked about Thomas Sowell's book, black rednecks white liberals, which is an amazing book he broke down two groups of colonists. So he said the people from Boston came from East Anglia, England. And people to Virginia came from Ulster County, Ireland. He only chose those two because he wanted to talk about the difference between Yankees and Southerners. But if you keep breaking it down, then you have more, right? So if you look at the Delaware Valley, so it's Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Delaware, those settlers came from Derbyshire and Nottinghamshire, England. The people in Appalachia, they came from the Scottish borderlands and each culture where they came from is a little bit different and they brought it here and then became even more different. There was a book written in 1989 called Albion seed and it's a breakdown of all the different aspects of culture in general. And I think this is important because people are, we don't, again, we don't talk about we're all multiculturalism, but no one talks about the differences. So what are some differences speech, the way people talk, um, Architecture, obviously, right? family structure, differences in gender roles, how we view sex, child rearing, names, right? the names we give our kids. Um, some cultures have very, you know, family oriented names, age, how we view our elders. That's different. Among culture, death. Oh, there's huge differences. How we, you know, the customs at funerals, very different. Religion, obviously, food, uh, how we dress, sports, how we view work. Remember, we we read a newspaper editorial saying that we don't want these new people to come to our neighborhoods because they're lazy and they don't value education and uh, they play their music real loud and they're just a big pile of trouble. And when you read it, you think you think Thomas Saul makes it sound like it's some white people saying it against some black people coming to town. But no, it was written in the 1800s in Indianapolis against southern whites because the culture back then in the south among southern whites was an inversion to work. Differences in time um right, whatever there's we go down the list. So to deny these differences is to be willfully ignorant once you admit that these differences exist, which of course they do, are you not going to admit that maybe some cultural customs lead more to success in a different economic system or social system? Well, of course that must be true too. Now, I'm not even necessarily saying one is better in general. But if you come from a culture where work isn't that important and you move to America where our custom formed by our Puritan work ethic values work and we have a free market economic system which rewards valuable work that doesn't mix well right so if you come from a culture where work's not that important and maybe that's fine by you right like um you come from an island nation where work you you just do enough to make enough money to eat and it's it's fine and you may like you may like that you may say that's way better and okay great but if you're coming from that culture and you're coming here to america that you're not going to do as well Because we have different expectations here. You can decide what's better. I'm just telling you what is. Now then, in America, you throw in a welfare system on top of that that does not distinguish between those who are on hard times and those who choose not to work. Then you got a major problem. But we're not allowed to have this conversation because everyone's the same or something, (laughs) which is absurd. I'll never forget. I was in Puerto Rico. We would go for uh, swimming in in college called training trip. We'd go for 10 days or something, and we'd just swim all the time. It was miserable. Um, but we had a meet at the end of the week. We had a, a meet with Puerto Rican teams and the meet would start at whatever, eight in the morning and the other Puerto Rican teams didn't show up till nine thirty, Right. <laughs> it was, and then like, it didn't really start until whenever. And it was just, just a different culture. You can decide what's better, but it's different. So why does this matter? Why don't progressives want to have a conversation about different cultures? Because if they admit there are different cultures, then they have to make a judgment on one or the other. And they're not willing to do that because they've been taught their whole lives. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. And this is why it even goes to the extreme of, Hey, what do you think about Sharia law? (laughs) And they're like, wow, I'm teach his own. No, I'm not asking, you know, what kind of architecture do you like the most? European architecture or more American architecture? I'm talking, what do you think about throwing people off buildings for adultery? But they can't even judge that. That's one reason why that's a problem. But everything's the same, except of course us. We're the worst of them all. Mike Slater Show, The place. Radio Network, spread the word.
1: is mike slater part of the next generation of talk radio on the
0: blaze radio network
1: part of the next generation of talk radio this is Mike Slater. Slater Cassidy's
2: Can we uh totally change topics, but actually not really, because that's the problem when you deal with principles everything's tied into each other. Um So earlier we talked about lies today, I wanted or this segment I want to talk about propaganda. So a bunch of my wife's friends recently have gone vegan. Right? They'll go out to eat or something and she'll order chicken, right? <laughs> and her friends not like my wife's ordering primary about. And her friends will get some vegan stuff, and she asks why, and she says, uh, and all of her friends are saying, it's because of this documentary on Netflix called What the Health. I did a Facebook Live about this yesterday, and a bunch of people not from California said they'd never even heard of it. So maybe it's more of a California thing, but it's on Netflix. Have you seen it? Has anyone seen it? Send me a tweet if you've seen it, Slater Radio on Twitter. So, so many of my friends, I'm not even kidding, so many of my friends my wife's friends have uh, watched this movie and went vegan that my wife's like, all right, we got to watch it. So I said, okay, now full disclosure, I fell asleep 20 minutes in. So this assessment is not on the information represented because I didn't get to see most of it. Uh, But it's mostly, what I want to talk about is propaganda in general, because in the 20 minutes I saw this filmmaker used all the tricks in the book. So I pretty much knew where he was going, even though I fell asleep. First things first, I strongly encourage healthy eating. We were just talking about self-destructive behavior. One of that's eating well. We've done many segments before on the, uh, one of the biggest costs of healthcare. I would say the biggest is just people's bad decisions. Mostly with diet, but also exercise and sleep, sleep, diet, exercise, three things. People make terrible, terrible decisions on all the time and it leads to about a lot of bad health consequences. The opening interview in this movie, which I don't even, I haven't looked this up yet, but they said that one third of every Medicaid dollar is spent on diabetes. So if people ate properly, then we could cut the cost of Medicaid down by a third, just like that. Right? Anyway, point is, I'm all for healthy eating, eat your vegetables, it's all good. But I'm not for propaganda. And I want everyone to be hyper aware of it because it's everywhere. Propaganda is anything that's done to influence you to further someone else's agenda. But here's the key factor distinguishing factor for me. It's when someone tries to get an emotional reaction out of you and to get you to react emotionally and not logically. So right out of the jump of this documentary, this is the first point they made, was they had a a bunch of cable news anchors saying that eating one serving of processed meats a day increases your cancer chances by 18%. And there's scary music in the background and there's quick shots of a lot of sausage on a grill and fat people in hospital beds. And then it goes back to the news anchor with the scary news from the world health organization. I was right in the beginning and I saw that and I knew that study they were talking about. And I knew that that study was a pile of garbage and I'll explain why here in a second. So I I saw right through it, but I totally could imagine every single other person watching this who did not know the truth behind that study hearing that. and Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It does increases my chance of cancer by 18% one serving increase and just getting manipulated emotionally like that. Now propaganda, which is what this documentary was leaves it at that, but a real genuine documentary would come back and say, well, just want everyone to be clear when we say increases your chances, chances of cancer by 18%, we don't mean that your chances of cancer are going to go up from, let's say, 1%. Let's say you had a 1% chance of cancer. Now you have a 19% chance of cancer, which is a pretty good chance. I mean, it's pretty, that's not what we mean. We mean that if you had a 1% chance of getting cancer before, now you have an 18% higher chance, which means now you have a 1.18% chance of getting cancer. So your chances of cancer went from 1% to 1.18%. So from basically zero to basically zero. Now I can be even more specific. Uh, The chance of a man getting colorectal cancer, which is exactly what this study was talking about. In the documentary, they just say cancer. They don't say colorectal cancer. so They're not even specific about it. But the chance of a man getting colorectal cancer is 4.84%. If you increase that by 18%, so if you have an 18% higher chance of getting colorectal cancer, then you have to take 18% of 4.85, which is 0.873. And you add those numbers together and you get 5.7. So if you eat twice as much processed meat as the average person does every day, twice as much every day, then your chances of getting colorectal cancer go up from 4.85% to 5.72%. So from basically zero to very slightly above basically zero but that doesn't make headlines. You don't get news anchors doing reports on that and you can't make a documentary off of that. Could you imagine that ridiculous headline? If you have way more processed meat than the average person, then your chances of getting a specific type of cancer go up a li- uh, like point four, point six percent higher than just go get a hamburger. Right? like You can't do anything about it. There's no... You can't manipulate someone emotionally with the truth. Not that truth. So you got to leave things out and... Leave things out and lead people to believe things that just aren't true. That's propaganda. There's another part... And I don't have the uh, the clip of this here, but the guy calls the american cancer society and he says something like he's the, the video shows him talking into his cell phone and he goes hi i just got a question here why does your website say that people should eat chicken which is in the same classification of a carcinogen as plutonium and asbestos that would be like the american lung society teaching you how to roll a cigarette and he went on for like another minute with absurdities like that. And the guy goes, Um, could I put you on a brief hold for a second? And then it cuts off the scene and goes on to something else. Now, there's so much absurd with that. The guy just calls up basically an intern, blindsides him with a wildly loaded question, and then cuts off the conversation when the guy says, Let me put you on a brief hold. And then provides zero time for anyone to actually respond to the claim that he made who knows what happened when the guy said maybe he said hey let me put you on a brief hold because charlie over here can really speak to that really well but they don't know they cut it off at well let me put you on a brief hold cut it off right there so so much propaganda i'll never forget we were talking about climate change a couple months ago and someone called in and said oh slater what do you know about climate change what are you some sort of scientist you a climatologist I said, no, but I am an expert in persuasion and I'm an expert in manipulation and I'm an expert in viewing and seeing and looking at propaganda and knowing propaganda when it's coming my way. And that's exactly what this thing is too. And it's all over the place. Please be aware of it. It's everywhere. Con- it's, it's, this is cable news. This is cable news in a nutshell to bring it all the way back around to the main topic of the day, which was the Google manifesto. When the CNN news anchor said, well, basically what the guy said was women shouldn't be around computers. Pure propaganda. That's not just wrong. That is intentionally wrong. To emotionally manipulate people, their viewers into thinking something that's not true. And you're going to see a lot of it with the Charlottesville stuff too, because you're going to see a lot of people on cable news who are taking what happened in Charlottesville Charlottesville, with crazy extremist nuts and making it seem like everybody's like that. And they're going to put scary music and scary graphics, and they're only going to show pictures of someone bleeding. And now it did get violent, which is a shame, but even if it didn't, then they would still find the most violent things to show you and make it seem as if it's a way bigger thing than it really is. You get a couple of white supremacists and then these antifa people come out and they fight each other. Like, honestly, who cares? If it wasn't for someone's life getting lost, who cares? And honestly, I would say the reason that someone's life got lost is because it was escalated to the point partially because of the media that people ended up losing their tempers and going crazy. So this propaganda stuff is deadly. It's everywhere. 1-888-933-93. Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: You're listening to
1: Mike Slater.
0: On the Blaze Radio Network.
1: later on the blaze radio network
2: phil said i've seen the propaganda piece what the health it's on netflix sorry i didn't say the title again what the health and i agree it's not a documentary uh if an opportunity or platform was had it was wasted i think that's right too and maybe that's what's bothering me too i'm I'm not a vegan but um i am very very passionate actually about healthy eating so i would have liked to see something genuine there but uh alas not even close let me say one thing on math real quick Uh, So, again, that study, (laughs) because people on TV, they're not necessarily smart. We we think they are. We assume they are. But that's not necessarily true. And they're definitely not good at math. That's a fact. So when they say you have an 18% higher chance of getting cancer, they don't even think twice about that because they're not good at math. And then they say that, and people – generally also aren't good at math or just believe what they say and just go with it and don't even think twice about it. But let me make this math part more clear. So if I told you that uh, there's now an eighteen percent higher chance that I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you in the shin. You you listening right now. So there's an eight, there right now there's an eighteen percent higher chance that I'm gonna kick you in the shin today. Would you be worried? I mean there's an eighteen percent higher chance but what was the chance, all, like, earlier today? <laughs> pretty, like, zero. Like, there's almost no chance I'm going to kick you in the shin today. I mean, I'm in San Diego. You're wherever. Like, probably not going to get there by the top Right. So, like, I wasn't going to kick you in the shin. It was pretty much zero. I mean, I guess there was a chance. And now that I say it's an 18% higher chance, there's still almost no chance that I'm going to kick you in the shin today. See, the, see how the math But when I say, oh, or when the news, so this documentary says there's an 18% higher chance of you getting cancer, people are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get cancer. Well, no, your chances of getting cancer before were pretty small. And now they're also pretty small. (laughs) And there was this ridiculous scene too, and I'm going to stop talking about it because I don't don't really care about this documentary. I don't want to punch down, like who cares? But it's just propaganda. That's the bigger point I'm making. It's all over the place. There was a scene when they say that eating one egg a day is the same as smoking five cigarettes. Now, that's an absurd proposition. I don't know what the heck's wrong with people, but at least try to like analyze the study that came to that ridiculous conclusion and give the truth about that. But instead of doing that, they had a, a video of a mom with a frying pan cooking breakfast for her two little girls. And instead of an egg in the frying pan, there were cigarettes. And the mom took the cigarettes, like the, like the cooked cigarettes, and put them on their daughter's, her daughter's plates for breakfast. Like, what do you, this stuff's everywhere though. This is why you should never watch cable news. Listen to this question here from Brian Williams. So Brian Williams, the other day, they're talking about North Korea, which by the way, also goes to show how much of this all is cable news led because tomorrow the big story is gonna be what's happening in Charlottesville. And there's gonna be once again, this whole conversation about race and racism and white supremacists and Donald Trump is a white supremacist and all the supporters are white supremacists. That's gonna be the storyline tomorrow. And where did the North Korea storyline go? Well, next time, next time cable news is nothing to talk about. North Korea is going to be back in the news, but it just goes in this cycle over and over. It's just a soap opera. It's a soap opera drama. And they keep going back to the storylines. They know work and North Korea works for a couple days. And now this is going to work for a couple days. We're going to have another conversation about race in America. And then they're going to go back to whatever else works. right? Uh, so this is brian williams he has a three-person panel uh andrea mitchell just uh, by the way who cares what andrea mitchell has to say about north korea who like who is that person who who's who's sitting around me like oh like i don't know what to think about north korea i don't know how to make sense of it i wonder what andrea mitchell has to, like not a, no one no one has ever thought that anyway after andrea mitchell spoke this is brian williams
3: Malcolm, our job tonight actually is to scare people to death on this subject, so the talk isn't as free as it is about a preemptive or surgical military strike. You know that part of the world. The population centers, Andrea and the general, have talked about uh, South Korea, the Japanese, and so on and so on.
2: We can can stop it there, actually. So I I played his whole question because I don't even know what he was trying to do there. I don't know if he was being sarcastic or a, a, a moment of candor that he didn't mean, but he, I mean, you said he's our job here is to scare people to death. Huh? And, and I, I know I echo Glenn Beck when he says how much he loves this audience because so few people think for themselves anymore. So few people think we're just on autopilot. We believe everything we hear all the time. Otherwise, intelligent people watch that health documentary and then go vegan right there on the spot with no further research. But think about what happened this week. Right? We got Brian Williams saying it's our job to scare people to death. We got What the Health saying we're all going to die of cancer. And we got the Google Manifesto saying uh, he's against women and technology. None of that stuff is true. We're so far away from what's true. Focus on the truth. Mike Slater Show. Spread the word.
0: You're listening to Mike Slater. Mike Slater.
1: Part of the next generation of talk radio. On
0: the Blaze Radio Network.